Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. And the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. And it's with joy. We gather in God's presence. Knowing his presence with us. And although we can't sing, if you're in the church, you can't sing, I'm afraid, because of the current rules. But you can express your way standing, using your arms, whatever you feel comfortable doing as this service continues. But our first song is that song, Indescribable. Have an amazing God. And uh, that God is one which we wish to celebrate with joy. And I know something that brings many people joy. And uh, that is when Vicky waves. And she's not taking part this morning. But we will get complaints if she doesn't wave. So here she comes. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right for you. I've got to be married to her. <laughs> but we do have an amazing God. And as we celebrate and recognize that we will go out with joy, it's because we have hope. And our next hymn is that great hymn, In Christ Alone. Thank you. Please do sit down if you're in the church. If you're at home, you can do what you like. I can't tell. Let's come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. The promise of God, you shall go out with joy. Joy, hope, and celebration. And our hope is true because of the Easter story. Christ's death and resurrection. His Salvation that comes to us because of what happened on the cross in the grave and the resurrection of Christ to eternal life. Something that is open to all who trust in him. And Lord, we thank you that in the words of that song we sung, we now suffer no condemnation because we have put our hope in you our Lord and our Saviour. We do not have to fear the future because of the eternal life that you promise to all who put their trust in you. And Lord, we do come to you and recognise that, Lord, it is in Christ alone where we have hope. In Christ alone where salvation can be found. In Christ alone where victory can be won. In Christ alone we can have confidence. And so Lord as we come 
today in peace, in joy, in celebration. Peace knowing that we can be right with you. Joy because we have a hope that is beyond our human understanding. A hope that is for eternity. And celebration because, Lord, with Christians throughout the world last week, we were celebrating Easter. But Easter's not just that one week. We know that Christ rose for all time, for all people, We know that Christ is on the throne today. And for this, Lord, we give you praise and glory. We give you our worship, our adoration. We give you the best we can. And Lord, in this moment, we still our minds. We quieten ourselves. Knowing, Lord, that... You love us. But Lord, we want to absorb and realign our minds away from the things that are bothering us about what will happen for the rest of today, the things we need to do, to, but to realign our minds to things above, to Lord, what you wish us to know today. So, Lord, in this time of worship, we let go of our distractions. At home, we turn off everything that is distracting us from our minds to focus upon you. And, Lord, we do pray that in this moment, as we are in sacred space, a holy place, our minds will be focused upon you, your word, on knowing you better. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Saviour, who taught us to say when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our next song is that one, Waymaker. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, and hopefully you should have received your notice sheet by now. Um, Please do join us at 6 o'clock this evening. If you would like to be here um, in the service on Wednesday at 12.45 or here in the building at 10.30, um, please do book yourself a place. Our Sunday evening services are still online only. We have got our prayer meeting via Zoom at 8 o'clock this Tuesday. For those of you who do the wellbeing course, we've got a week off. So we're not meeting this Wednesday. We'll be meeting the following Wednesday. 
All of the youth and children's activities are on the notice sheet. Um, please though, pay attention. There's a couple of new things that are actually starting in person in the up and coming weeks. Youth Club is recommencing on Thursdays bi-weekly at 7.30 in the building and that starts on the 29th of April. And the next Creative Church will be here in the building on Sunday the 25th of April and that will be during the morning service while the rest of us are in here. So if you want to find out some more information, please do drop Hannah an email. Um, but yeah, it'll be good to see more of you back in the building over the next coming months. Thank you. Thank you, Haley. And as Haley says, it is a joy to see people starting to come back and seeing some of the young people who will be leaving the main service in a moment to go to their own group just to uh, be together. But before we do that, let's uh, give thanks. We thank, to, thank all those who have been given faithfully through the whole lockdown to the offerings, and that can be done online through the bank details on the weekly notice sheet. If you don't get a notice sheet, if you send an email to office at romfordbaptist.org.uk, Ruth will add you to the list to receive the notice sheet. Alongside that, you can give as you come to the service by dropping it into the box. And we now have a card facility where you can give between three and 45 pounds using the card reader as you come into the service. Let's give thanks to God for all the gifts. Lord, we do thank you. We do thank you that we have the ability to give to you, to bless you. And Lord, we offer you our gifts, the things we have freely given to you. And we pray that through them, Lord, those in need will be reached out to. Those, Lord, who need a touch from you will receive a touch from you. Lord, just take these gifts and use them. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Our next song is that song, Everlasting God. And as this song is going, the young people are going to leave us for their own group. This is, I think it's the sort of uh, key stage three and four young people, if that makes any sense to you. If you're going, can you go to that end of the road? I know it's against the one-way system, but it means you're not coming all the way around. Go to that end of the road and straight down. And Burnt, could you just open the door at the front there for them to go through that door, yeah, so that they can, they're going down through the hall. Just this door here, and he's pinned open if it's not open. Okay, and our song is Everlasting God. We come to our time of prayers and our prayers of intercession where we will pray for the world we will pray for those we know in need and we will pray for ourselves let us pray lord in a world which is still troubled by covid and fears over vaccines lord we continue to pray to an end for an end of this pandemic we pray lord for all those whose lives have been affected by this pandemic, be that loneliness, isolation, loss of job, fear for businesses. And Lord, as tomorrow we see a, 
in this country an opening up of non-essential retail again. And Lord, for many, the dream of a hairdresser. Lord, we pray we will also continue to remember those whose lives have been so affected by this pandemic. Lord, we continue to pray for the vaccination programme and all those who are working to enable as many people to be vaccinated as possible. We pray, Lord, for the media in their attempt to tell us the whole story, that, Lord, they won't scaremonger. And, Lord, we pray that we, along with old people, will believe in the reliable media. Lord, we pray that this nation and the world will get back to some kind of normal. But Lord, we pray for those nations whom getting a vaccine is a far-off dream because they can't afford it. And Lord, we pray for justice that the vaccine will be shared with all nations. As we recognise, Lord, that all people are created in your image, all people are equal, then all people need the same support, the same help. So, Lord, we pray for our government. And we pray, Lord, that this government, alongside other governments, will share the vaccine among those nations that are less well off. Lord, we pray for those who are bereaved. Pray particularly today, Lord, for Andrea and Justin as Andrea's sister Laurie passed away this week. We pray for Joan Watson and the family following the passing of her husband Tom over the last week. And Lord, alongside all churches and people of this nation, we pray for our Queen as she lost her husband this week. Lord, we thank you for his faithful service, for Prince Philip's faithful service to this nation over many years. We thank you for his faith. And Lord, as the funeral takes place on Saturday, Lord, we pray your hand will be upon all taking part. We pray for the Archbishop, Justin Welby, that you will give him the words of hope to share with this nation at this time. And Lord, as this... Death has come at a time of COVID. We pray, Lord, that people will understand it needs to be different. And we pray, Lord, as we often do for the royal family, we pray for a uniting of that family. We pray, Lord, even out of this sadness, good will come. And as our Queen shares her faith, her faith in her Lord Jesus, may that faith be spoken about. We pray for others who have recently been bereaved, particularly for the Eborn family as the funeral for Priscilla's mum takes place this week. We pray for Anne and Brian Johnson following their recent bereavement as well. Lord, for all who are hurting, be with them.
We pray for those in hospital and those recovering at home. And Lord, we thank you for our emergency services and all the care agencies in this nation. Lord, we continue to pray for the work of Parkside, the care home that belongs to this church and all the residents there, particularly praying for Ruth Nichols, who moved into Parkside this week. Lord, we pray for our missionaries. Lord, our member missionaries who are able to serve God, and we thank you for Andy and Rihanna out in Moldova and the work that they have been doing with training in mission this last few weeks. Lord, be with them. Keep them safe, we pray. We pray for our BMS Link missionaries, those in Bangladesh and those who work in Eastern Asia, that, Lord, you will continue to use them mightily for your work. We pray for our partner churches, for Rich and Allison up on Harold Hill and for the church at Winter Gardens. We pray, Lord, you will use those churches mightily to share the good news of Jesus where they are. Lord, we bring our world. We bring those who are hurting. We bring those who are bereaved. We bring our nation. And now, Lord, we bring ourselves. We thank you, Lord, that you have placed your spirit in us. And you have saved us. You have given us hope. You have given us life. And Lord, we pray that you will take all that we are and that, Lord, we can be used for your glory in your world. Help us, Lord, to be your disciples, to show love where love is needed, hope where hope is needed. And Lord, that your hands will be mightily used. We bring our prayers for your glory. Amen. We're going to hear God's word read and Bren's going to come and read from John chapter 20 and verses 1 to 29. Thank you, Bren. The reading this morning comes from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. 
Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, and, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Amen. Thank you very much, Bren, for that reading. As Jan comes to preach on it, we're going to have that well-known hymn, I Cannot Tell Why He Whom Angels Worship. Good morning, everybody. Let's start with a prayer. Father God, we thank you that indeed one day we will join together with myriads of people knowing that you are indeed the Saviour, the Lord of all. And Father God, as we come to your word now, so we pray that you would open up the hearts of each one of us 
Lord, I pray you'd open up my heart, the hearts of all of those in this building, the hearts of each one who will hear your word this morning. Father God, speak to us, we pray, in your grace, in your mercy, your tenderness. Come and meet with each person, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Duke of Edinburgh, a loss to our country, a loss to our Queen. But one of the things that has been said so much was who he believed in, how strong his faith was. And this morning, I want us to think back to last week, to that week of Easter. And I believe in the story of Easter, as did the Duke of Edinburgh. I believe that Jesus was God himself, who came to earth as a human being, who was born into the poverty of the stable with Mary and Joseph as his earthly parents. I believe that he grew up just like us. But as an adult of about 30, he started his ministry, which we read about in the Gospels. I believe he performed miracles and taught and demonstrated God's power and his love, calling us to have our lives changed for every single person who met him. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, not by accident or because those who hated him won the day, but because it was part of God's plan of forgiveness for everyone who believed that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus' blood cleanses us from all the mistakes that we make and that three days after he died, he rose again, defeating the power of Satan and death forever. I believe that Jesus will return like we just sang in that song and that all of those who have placed their faith in him will live with him and worship him in the new heaven and the new earth, meeting him face to face in a place where there's no more mourning, where there's no more pain or sadness or illness, no tears. I believe in Jesus. Do you believe? You know, I've not always found it easy to believe. Sometimes doubt comes into my mind, even now as a minister. Is it true? What if we've been believing a lie? And as a teenager, I particularly struggled with doubt, even though I'd put my faith in Christ as a young child, yet I doubted as a teenager, and I struggled with my faith. And I remember praying, God, if you're really there, prove to me that you exist. And I wish I'd written it down, but I'm not a journaling type of person. And I didn't write it down, but God absolutely at that time proved to me beyond doubt in my teenage mind that he was alive, that he was real, that he existed, that he was there. As I've got older, it's become easier to push the doubts aside because God has proved himself constantly again and again and again. He's proved himself to be there. He's proved himself to always be there. And so many occasions of my life, I've seen God go ahead of me, even by years, to prepare me for something in the future. God has shown himself to be real, to be good, to be kind, to be gracious, to be loving, to know me completely, and to be absolutely in control of my life. I believe in Jesus. Belief. Interestingly, in the Sunday school that 
took place online this morning, it was exactly about this word, belief. Isn't God interested in how he brings a word to us again and again? So all those families out there at RBC and a wider afield who are joining on the web, we've all looked at belief this morning. It's a strange word. It's not one that we use particularly in our everyday lives, except perhaps the most common way is when people talk about self-belief these days. And that's quite a buzzword, isn't it? People like thinking about self-belief. Believing in yourself is a strong and a forceful message that comes through from all angles everywhere to encourage people to dream big, to reach their goals, to fulfill your potential, to maximize your wealth and your happiness. Many believe that the first step towards success in everything that you do is that you should have self-belief. It's all about having confidence in yourself and believing in yourself to fulfill your dreams. So I googled, what is self-belief? What do you do when you don't know? We ask Alexa or Google in our house. So self-belief, it says, is that positive feeling you have inside that you're capable of anything. You feel empowered, confident, fueled with virility in the face of challenges and problems. And those who haven't got self-belief, those with negative self-belief, probably let many things go undone. That's what Google said. I also Googled belief by itself, and it said an acceptance that something exists or is true, especially one without proof. Trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something. So if you bring those definitions together, then it would read something like this. Self-trust, faith in yourself, confidence in yourself. And that's the kind of message we hear, isn't it, in our society from so many angles. Many, many people believe that self-confidence is the starting post towards success. I kind of disagree with this statement. Yes, self-belief is a good thing. It's not a bad thing at all. But I don't believe that it's the foundation upon which we should build our lives What a wobbly platform to build our lives on if you aren't arrogant. And if you are arrogant, what a blind foundation to build your life on. And yet most people around us are doing exactly this. And whilst it's important to realize your value and your worth, yet to build your life on your self-esteem seems to me at least like building your house on the sand. How many people do we know in our lives who seek to build their own dynasties, to make their own path and career plans, who seek to become rich and have all the worldly things that money and success can buy? When things are going their way, they feel great. They feel unstoppable. Their confidence is super high. But things happen in our lives that are way beyond our control. And if we've built our lives on belief in ourselves then our whole world, I think, is at risk of falling down. That isn't God's plan for our lives. As Christians, hopefully our perspective is quite different. Do you know who you have believed? 2 Timothy 1.12 says, I know whom I've believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard that which I've entrusted to him until that day. Do you know where you have placed your belief? In the passage we read from John 20, thank you, Brem, 
We read of a number of people believing and others questioning. First of all, we have Mary Magdalene, the woman who Jesus healed of demons, who become one of his closest followers and disciples, who watched at the horror of the crucifixion. As soon as she's able to, after the Sabbath, she heads to the tomb with the intention of caring for the body of Christ as they did in those days. But when she arrives, she finds that the stone has been removed from the entrance. And I want to read to you from John 20, from verses 11. It says this, Now Mary Magdalene stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So Mary... Mary, her response was one of utter belief. Although she didn't immediately recognize Jesus, the moment she heard him say her name, she knew that it was Jesus. And running back to the disciples, she tells them, I've seen the Lord. What a moment. Jesus, who was killed, is now alive. Her belief is of one of absolute certainty. Her Savior is alive. She's seen him. She knew it, and she believes She knows her Lord. Do you share the same certainty of belief that Mary had? Do you know who you believe in? Secondly, in response to Mary's story, Peter and John rush to the grave. John arrives first to the tomb, but he doesn't rush in. Maybe it was the heartbreak and agonies of the previous days that stopped him. Maybe he couldn't bear to see the broken body of his Lord and his friend. He stops outside. Peter, though, in normal Peter fashion, he runs back and he's he's behind John. He's not as fast as John, but when he gets there, he runs straight into the tomb to find strips of linen still lying there in their place, but without the body of Christ. In Luke, it says that Peter... Having seen this in the tomb, leaves the tomb, wondering to himself what it all meant. He didn't yet understand and believe. Whereas John, the first to have arrived but stayed outside, he finally goes into the tomb and it says he saw and he believed. Two men, two really different responses. One man leaves wondering, pondering, not understanding, not yet believing. The other man, who's seen exactly the same thing, he goes in and immediately he believes. 
Each one of us has our own faith journey, don't we? We all act and work differently. Our minds work differently. For some of us, it's easy to believe. For others of us, it's much harder and we need to seek understanding. We need to work things out in our heads a bit more. And belief takes longer. It takes time to grow. I wonder who you're more like. Are you more like Peter? Or are you more like John? Do you know who you believe? Going back to the passage in John 20, 19 and 20, it says that Jesus came and stood among the disciples and even though they were in a locked room, even though the others would have shared their experiences at the tomb, yet Jesus still shows them his hands and his side. You get the feeling that the disciples needed some convincing. But once convinced that it's really Jesus and that he really is alive again, they are overjoyed and they believe However, there was one disciple missing, wasn't there? And he doesn't find it so easy to believe. Thomas. You know, I feel a little bit sorry for Thomas. Doubting Thomas, as he's been known throughout the centuries. I'm not sure that I would have been any different from him. Let me read to you what he says in verses 24 to 29. Sorry, this isn't a small Bible. It's a bit of a big old one to hold. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, who's not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his sides, I will not believe. Poor Thomas, he's having a hard time. All his mates are saying, look, it's happened. We've seen him. Mary on that day said, we've seen him. John believed. Lots of them are believing, but poor Thomas is really struggling. Thomas needs to see Jesus with his own eyes. And having said so graphically that he wouldn't believe unless he saw the nail marks in Jesus' hands and put his finger where the nails were and put his hand into the side, now he meets Jesus face to face. I can't quite imagine needing to put my finger and my hands into Jesus' wounds but maybe Thomas was a particularly tactile kind of guy. What we do know is that Thomas needed that bit more persuasion. And for those of us who have lots of questions, we don't find it easy to believe, who don't want to believe anything that isn't certain, that it's not utterly real, then Thomas should become a real friend to us. He should be one of those characters in the Bible whom we really relate to and for whom we're so grateful that his story has been included because he found it hard to believe. He doubted. But when he sees Jesus for himself, all of that goes. He doesn't need any more persuasion. He utterly believes. Do you find it hard to believe? If you do, think about Thomas. Know that he wouldn't have believed in something that wasn't fully proved to him. Therefore, know with certainty that Jesus is indeed risen and is alive today. So we considered the stories of Mary, Peter, John, Thomas. Each of them had their own path to faith. Even though they were friends together, even though they'd lived through so many experiences together with Jesus, each one had their own journey Reading through the Bible is such a helpful way to remind us of their stories of faith. 
So many different people have gone ahead. If you're not sure, keep reading God's word. Read the stories of the people who have gone before. Pick it up. Read it. God's history, his story speaks to us about other people who have had their own doubts, who have struggled with their own faith. When we read their stories, it can help us to grow in our faith. When I was given this title for this sermon, there were two hymns that came to mind. I cannot tell why he who angels worship. And that's the one we just sang. And also, I know not why God's wondrous grace. These two hymns are all about what people believe in. But I don't know if you noticed in that hymn that we sung a few minutes ago, what is interesting about both these hymns is that they have a whole list of things that they don't understand, that they struggle to understand, that they aren't certain about, they can't explain. And then in between, they say about all the things that they do know, that they do believe in, that they're certain of, that their faith is strong on. You know, my daughter is scared that she doesn't believe enough. She's scared that her doubts are bigger than her faith. She's scared that God won't save her because she doesn't believe enough. I reassure her, our God is not like that, is he? Thank goodness our God is not like that. Because for so many of us sitting here, we'd all be condemned, wouldn't we? Because we do have doubts, we do have fears, we do have questions, we have things that we don't understand and we can't grasp. But our God welcomes every single one of us. Reading the stories of the disciples at that first Easter, we find that they too had a bumpy journey to faith. There was plenty of doubt amongst them. And the two writers of the two hymns that we're singing today, they also had questions and unanswered questions. And it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have moments of doubt. But it's a wonderful feeling to be able to move through that to a place where we can say, I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know whom I have believed. And I pray that you too will be able to stand up with me and echo those words, I know whom I've believed. And looking around this morning, I've got some faces to look at. I know that we'd stand together and say, I know whom I've believed. But maybe you might need to add the words of that man who needed Jesus' help. I believe, Lord, please help me with my unbelief. God in his grace and his love loves honest prayers, doesn't he? And he will answer us. Our God is here. Our God is alive. I know whom I have believed. Last night I was listening to a lecture about emotional agility and the importance of being honest with ourselves, of not being afraid to name our feelings and our emotions and actually how it's important to grasp those and understand it so that actually we aren't stuck in one place or stuck with a face on, but that we can be real, real with ourselves and real with others and that improves connections and it improves our mental ability to get through life and to move on and to grow. Belief, 
not self-belief, as is the common message of our society that we live in today, but belief in the one who is far more worthy of building our lives on. Belief in God, who's the creator of the universe, the creator of each one of us, who holds our lives preciously in his hands, who has plans, hopes, promises, a future for each person. Our God invites us into his family. He invites us to be adopted as his dearly loved children. I know whom I have believed. Do you know whom you have believed? I don't want to build my life on sand. I don't want to build my life based on my own self-belief with me as the foundation stone. That wouldn't be a good place. You know, I am an absolute lover of the beach and I've missed it so much over the past few months when we haven't been able to travel. The thought of building my sand, sorry, my house on a beach is like my dream. It might appear beautiful, but on a beach you can't build proper foundations. And even the most beautiful house in the most beautiful location, if the foundations aren't solid, then they can be washed away when a storm comes. And storms do come. I choose instead to build my life upon my faith in God, putting foundations of my life in him. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And to that end, I encourage us all to seek his ways, his paths for us. I believe in Jesus and I want him on board when I go through those storms of life, of which, if you know me, we've had quite a few storms in our lives personally over the last six months. I hope we're about to sail into calmer waters, but I'm not sure that that's the case. But I want Christ on board. I want to know that I'm safe in his arms. What I am certain of is that I believe in God, that he is with us and he wants to walk with us through all the storms. I believe he wants to be beside us, that he wants to be the foundation stone of our lives. I know that he will carry us through those hardest parts when those times come if we are his, because he says he wants to be our loving shepherd. Our God, who is Lord of all, who is all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful. He is alive. He's defeated sin, he's defeated death, and he is my Father. Do you know who you believe? He invites every single person here and listening this morning. He invites you, whoever you are, whatever you've done, whatever your age, whatever your ability or social status He invites every single one of us to come and believe, to put our trust in God, to allow him to be the foundation of our lives. Do you know whom you have believed? Let's pause for a moment. In the quietness, maybe you want to thank God for making himself known to you and drawing himself to you. Maybe this morning you want to stop and pause 
and ask God to deepen those foundations of your life into him. Maybe you want to use these few moments of silence to recommit your life to him. Or maybe this morning you want to believe. You just have some doubts. You aren't quite sure. And so I encourage you just to be honest before God. Ask him to come into your life as your Lord and your Savior that you might believe and that you might know that you are his dearly, precious, loved child. We're going to sing our final song, I Know Not Why. I invite our congregation to stand. have a look up those words uh, of that beautiful hymn that says, I know not why God's wondrous grace to me have been made known, but this I know, I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. If we place our lives in his hands, we are in a sure and certain place. The Duke of Edinburgh and our Queen have really led the way of the faith of this country. And he knew whom he believed. And we too can know with certainty that our God is here. And so my prayer for you is, may you be strong to grasp with all God's people what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. And to know it, though it's beyond knowledge, so that you may attain to the fullness of being the fullness of God himself. May you know that love yourselves this week. Amen.